Law of Self-Defense content you are about to enjoy is presented for general educational purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice. If you are in need of legal advice, consult competent legal counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Welcome to our ongoing coverage of the Minnesota murder trial of Derek Chauvin over the in-custody death of George Floyd. I am attorney Andrew Branker for Law of Self-Defense, providing guest commentary and analysis of this trial for legal insurrection. As a reminder, I am live parlouring the trial in real time over at parlor.com, which you can find using my parlor handle at Law of Self-Defense, no spaces. This morning, the court first had a debate on whether the state should be permitted to introduce expert witness testimony on George Floyd's state of mind, which the defense argued would open the door to admission of Floyd's year-prior arrest-related drug ingestion event a year prior to his death. Judge Cahill indicated he'd have a decision on all that on Friday, meaning tomorrow. I'll have more for you on that in a moment. But following that debate, the court conducted voir dire on four jurors, all of whom happened to be women. The first, number 86, was struck quickly as she told Judge Cahill she had formed a fixed and biased view of the defendant. The second, number 87, was struck by the state using a peremptory challenge, leaving the state with four remaining strikes. More on number 87 in a moment. The third, number 88, was dismissed by the court because she had a um, personal relationship or was familiar with one of the key witnesses in the state, uh, in the case, sorry. And finally, number 89 was seated on the jury and is now the 10th juror seated in this trial. More on her in a moment as well. But let's circle back to that debate this morning on the state's expert witness and Floyd's prior drug ingestion event. For roughly the first half hour of today's proceedings, the state argued for the admission of testimony of one Dr. Vincent, who is prepared to offer expert testimony as to George Floyd's state of mind during his 2020 encounter with police. This would be the day that he died. In effect, the state's arguing that they expect the defense to claim that Floyd was resisting arrest and that his conduct was driven by his illicit drug intoxication. The state instead would like to argue that Floyd... I should say counter-argue, that Floyd may have been non-compliant, but that this must be distinguished from resisting because the non-compliance was not voluntary and intentional. Rather, the state will argue, Floyd's non-compliance was beyond his control and driven by anxiety and PTSD of just having had one of the officers point a gun at him as well as by Floyd's claustrophobic fear of being placed in the squad car. This Dr. Vincent will purportedly testify that Floyd's conduct was reasonable for anyone in those circumstances. The state will also use this evidence to argue that Chauvin should have realized that Floyd's noncompliance was not intentional and used de-escalation techniques as per Minneapolis Police Department policies. This, the state will argue, would make Chauvin's chosen use of force upon Floyd counter to MPD policy, objectively unreasonable, and thus the basis for criminal liability. The defense is arguing that if the court allows the testimony by Dr. Vincent, then it opens the door to admission into evidence of the entirety of Floyd's year prior arrest-related drug ingestion event to rebut the state's expert witness testimony. You may recall in that case, there was no gun pointed in Floyd's face. He was still non-compliant with arrest. He had also ingested illicit drugs, and then he made no claims of claustrophobia when placed in a squad car. Judge Cahill seems inclined to either exclude both the state and defense offers of evidence here on the one hand, or to allow both, 
but not one or the other. In addition, Cahill had already been disposed to allow some portion of the year earlier drug ingestion event into evidence, but if needed to rebut the state's expert witness testimony, assuming that's allowed in, Judge Cahill would allow all the evidence of that prior event. He ultimately announced that he'd have a decision on all this on Friday, meaning tomorrow. And I do have video of that debate from this morning embedded in the text version of today's content. Now let's take a look again at juror number 87, a female stay-at-home mother who was stricken by the state using a peremptory strike. Juror number 87, again, a female stay-at-home mother of five who thought media reports of racism were likely exaggerated on the grounds that the media generally exaggerates everything they cover, believed the protests following Floyd's death were overwhelmingly negative, had a very unfavorable view of Black Lives Matter as an organization, although she believed that Black Lives do indeed matter, and who strongly agreed the police in her community made her feel safe, was perfectly acceptable as a juror to the defense, but was struck by the state using a peremptory challenge. This leaves the state with four remaining peremptory challenges, after which they can have jurors excused only if they can show the court cause. And I have embedded video of the voir dire of juror number 87 in the text version of today's content. And now juror number 89. Uh, She's a longtime registered nurse, currently works providing ventilation support to COVID patients. She had previously worked as a cardiac nurse. This experience created concern for both the defense and the state and even Judge Cahill that she might attempt to offer her own expert testimony to the other jurors in deliberations, but she committed to restraining herself from doing so. In contrast to number 87, who was struck by the state, number 89 did not feel that the media exaggerated reports of racism and indeed thought the truth was probably worse than what was reported. She also believed that the criminal justice system did not treat black and white defendants equally. At the same time, she had trust in the police, and she agreed that just because a white police officer had an interaction with a black suspect did not make that interaction racist in nature. And again, she was seated as the 10th juror on this trial, and I do have video of her voir dire embedded in the text version of today's content. Okay, folks, that's all I have for you all until our end-of-day post later today after the court recesses for the day. Until then, I am attorney Andrew Branker for Law and Self-Defense, Guest commenting for legal insurrection. Stay safe.